0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's BYTE.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with BYTE.
1: The week 10 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by my bookie. It's November, guys. Seasons are heating up. The NFL is in double-digit weeks now, week number 10. College basketball officially kicking off this week. College football and the college football playoff standings and everything else. You got the NHL and NBA getting into full swing now. Plenty of action for you to get your hands on at MyBookie. Remember, guys, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with, and that's why I tell people to bet with my bookie. They are your best bet this season they've been in business for years they have some of the best reviews online and their mobile site is so easy to use and that's why i'm urging you to make your way over to my bookie you win and they pay they have in-game live betting the over-unders on fantasy points and the most rewarding player perks in the business and from the way that this uh panther game is getting uh heated up here in the first quarter you want to get in on some of those in-game live bets right now so join now, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar up to a thousand dollars. And if you make the deposit after seven p.m. Eastern, you get an additional twenty five dollars in free play on deposits over hundred dollars. If you use the promo code Bears twenty five to activate the offer, so visit my bookie m y b o o k i e and don't forget to use the promo code Bears twenty five when creating your account to claim up to thousand dollars in free play and get that extra twenty five dollars if you do your deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern. So it's up to you guys, but free money always sounds good to me. It'll definitely keep you warm in these cool temperatures. My bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. This week on the Bears Talk Underground, that portion of the schedule that stuck out like a sore thumb back when the schedule was released in April is finally upon us. As our beloved begin an NFC North stretch where they play three division opponents in just 11 days. First up, the Detroit Lions. Will the Lions continue to roar in this series, or will they be reduced to the Motor City Kitties? Jeremy Reisman from SB Nation's Pride of Detroit joins us on the Week 10 preview episode of The Bears Talk Underground. We've been waiting on it, and it is finally here. This is that section of the of the schedule like i said in the intro stuck out like a sore thumb because it's three division games back to back to back and in an extremely short period of time 11 days starting on sunday when the bears and the lions hit soldier field what's going on everybody larity back for the week 10 preview episode of the bears talk underground and our good friend one of my favorite guests Jeremy Reisman going to be joining us here in just a few minutes to help us preview this game. And, um, you know, I, I love having Jeremy on. We always have a good time when we talk. And, um, you know, he and I both agree this is one of the best rivalries or I think this is the best rivalry in the NFC North as far as competitiveness and the back and forth and, and, uh, you know, and what have you. That's what you expect when you hear the word rivalry. You know, unfortunately, it's been a very one sided rivalry with the Packers, you know, for way longer than I would care to admit out loud. But, you know, I and, and, and actually it's kind of been one sided with the Lions uh, lately, one in nine in our last five seasons. But every single one of those games was in doubt pretty much right up to the last minute. And that's what you look for in a rivalry, an actual game where it's competitive and down to the wire and, and all that kind of stuff. And um, that's why, you know, I, I hated losing the Lions. For those of you who have been with me uh, for a while, you know, especially when Schwartz was the head coach of the Detroit Lions there was nothing more that I in life that I hated than l- losing to the Lions That nothing upset me more during an NFL season was watching the Bears lose to the Lions when Jim Schwartz was the head coach that guy was a grade a douchebag I hated that guy and uh, there was nothing about him that I liked as a head coach he is a brilliant defensive coordinator and in the role where he deserves to, where he needs to be uh right now he's defensive coordinator for the eagles still i believe but uh you know won a super bowl ring with them last year and 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 all the rest of that he's where he needs to be leading a football team lousy across the board so um, yeah, those were, those were dark times when the bears would lose while Jim Schwartz was the head coach. So, you know, my, my hatred of the lions has lessened over the last few years with, uh, with Jim Caldwell as the head coach. And now with Matt Patricia, the, 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 the heat isn't as intense, uh, as it once was, but, um, you know, because these games are so hotly contested, they're the ones that you want. And, and for the bears in the position that they're in, these are the games that you have to win. Because you have to start winning the games against your division. We, we went 0-6 against the division last year, guys. We didn't win a single division game against the NFC North last year. We are the defending AFC North champions because we were perfect 4-0 against those guys. But 1-11 in uh one in, 11 in the NFC, and that one victory came against the Panthers. So no victories against Green Bay, none against Detroit, none against Minnesota. It's been a lopsided thing since John Fox came to town. Now that Matt Nagy's in there, the Bears are playing better football, we've got better personnel on the team, and we're in first place right now, people are talking about us making the playoffs, and if we want to do that, we have to win these games, we have to win the next three. Do we have to win them all? Theoretically, no. Should we? Absolutely. We got Minnesota coming to town next week, and the Vikings, as we all know, traditionally don't play well in Chicago. It's usually a home-and-home home series where the home team always wins uh, kind of thing. So hopefully that is a pattern that will stick to itself uh, next Sunday when the Bears and the Vikings get together. But for now, let's stick to the Lions. Uh, you know, it's just I'm, these are the games we have to win. The games that we could not win a year ago, we're starting to win now. We've been in every single game. And I think that, you know, we're we've had the lead going into the second half in every single game. Uh, thus far that is tremendous progress we're five and three whereas a year ago we were an optimistic three and five and then we went down the tubes and so did everything else so you know I've saw a a game by game uh, uh, art I read an article game by game predictions had the Bears finishing 10 and 6 with the way that the AFC North or excuse me the NFC North is playing right now you got eight and one and or seven and one and six and two at the top um, you know it, it's uh, it could be interesting as to whether or not 10 and six will get you in uh, this year as if it wins obviously if it wins as the division that's great. but Minnesota's playing good football. who knows what they're gonna do down the stretch. Um, they got to see the Bears twice so at least we can have a say in it. but these are the games that we got to win. We haven't been able to beat Minnesota in Chicago the last couple of years. We got to get that done. We haven't been able to beat Detroit well period in the last several years we got to get that done and then when we get a second bite at green bay week 15 we got to get that done as well so we got to win these division games those are the ones that super duper count when it comes to trying to get into the playoffs so you know it's um, you know the the losses that we had against um, Miami and New England they sucked both of them did but in the in the in the in the, the grand scheme of things didn't really affect the overall picture all that much. I mean, you got to go through about three or four levels of tiebreakers to get to like common opponents before that becomes a factor. So if if, if you have to lose games, Green Bay or excuse me Miami New England, those are the games that you want to lose because they're they're out of conference games and, and you know that it doesn't really kind of doesn't really matter. And in, in as far as like you know positioning within the NFC, it doesn't matter because everybody's playing a different division. So as far as the AFC is concerned, you don't have common opponents. So it, it really does come down to what you do within your division. That's the where the Bears have to make their mark starting with these three games coming up. Uh, starting on Sunday with the Lions so let's get into some news and notes uh, before we get to our conversation with Jeremy Reisman Um, the biggest news coming out of Hallis Hall this week is on the injury front now the first thing is actually not coming out of Hallis Hall but just uh, an interesting note uh, for the Bears Uh, turns out Ryan Pace and the Bears made the right call when it came to Cameron Meredith. And I don't mean that in the way that the offense is doing just fine uh, without him. What I mean is they let him go because of uh, concerns about the health of his knee, that devastating knee injury that he suffered in the dress rehearsal game last year against the Titans in the preseason cost him his 2017 season. He was a restricted free agent. Uh, The Saints signed him to an offer sheet because the Bears signed him to the lowest tender they possibly could have. Uh, for an extra million dollars, for two point nine million dollars, the Bears would have signed him for a second round tender. Meaning, anybody that signs him got to give up a second round pick in order to keep him. The Bears elected not to do that. Cameron Meredith signs with the Saints, goes off a two year five million, or excuse me, two year ten million dollar contract with the Saints back in April when, or in March, whenever this happened. I was not a fan of the move. I wanted to have an embarrassment of riches. Uh, you know I wanted a stark contrast from what we had in 2017 which is where Mitch had no one to throw the football to I wanted him to not be able to keep track of the guys he'd be able to throw the football to uh, in 2018 and it was only 2.9 million dollars that we were talking about I'm still not a huge fan of the move but it turns out Ryan Pace was right. Uh, Sean Payton talked about the move, the head coach of the Saints, talked about the move, saying that his knee has been swollen pretty much every single week after uh, the games. He hasn't uh, been on the field much since week five, hasn't caught a pass since week five. They signed Des Bryant earlier this week, making Cam Meredith expendable, so they put him on injured reserve, ending his season. He's going to have arthroscopic uh, surgery to clean out that knee, and hopefully he'll be 100% to, to go. Uh, in 2019, so it looks like Ryan Pace made the right call as far as the immediate health and his impact on the team in 2018. That you know they let him go. Uh, you know they didn't match the offer sheet to the Saints, so he's off and, and uh, you know on on that team. But it looks like you know seven months later, eight months later, whatever it is, that uh, Ryan Pace made the right call, a very calculated move. But he let Ryan uh, excuse me let Cam Meredith go uh to the saints because of the injury concerns or uh, the concerns they had with the health of that knee and how far along it was and and basically the the immediate impact that he would have on the football team so just wanted to bring that up real quick and then as far as the bears are concerned the injury news is all good it is fantastic uh ben bronicker I know that's the first person you wanted to hear about uh, ben Broniker was out last week on concussion protocol. He's been full full go on Wednesday and Thursday. Taylor Gabriel was nursing a knee injury at the end of the Buffalo game, was limited on Wednesday, full participation today. Uh, Eric Kush has been battling that neck injury, full participation Wednesday and Thursday. That's fantastic news. He was limited, I think, all of last week. Bilal Nichols didn't even travel to Buffalo with a knee injury last week, full participation this week, so he'll be back on the field Sunday um oh yeah there's this guy is uh Khalil Khalil I think that's how you pronounce it Mack is his last name uh he's a linebacker and he has an ankle injury he's been full participation Wednesday and Thursday so if he doesn't play on Sunday I will eat my laptop okay he better play against the Lions on Sunday and Allen Robinson professed to the media today that he is 100%, and he has been full participation on Wednesday and Thursday as well. So the Bears' risk of playing the games without two of their best players against the Jets and the uh, Bills the last two weeks has paid off. These guys are practicing fully. They're not limited like they, like they, they both in the last two weeks. Neither one practiced on Wednesday or Thursday, was limited on Friday. Game day decision on Sunday, and obviously neither one of them played they are full go from the start this week, so very good indication that we will get both of them back on Sunday in this all-important first of three divisional matchups in a very short period of time. On the Lions side, um, some very big names on this list. Uh, Ezekiel Ansa with the shoulder injury has been limited so far this week. LeGarrette Blunt with a knee injury limited as well. <laughs> carry on johnson who jeremy and i talk about a bit the leading rusher on the team has been limited with an ankle injury tj lang one of their starting offensive guards has been out this week with a with a neck injury um darius slay has not practiced yet with a knee injury and uh let's see luke wilson a tight end shoulder injury has been limited and i think that's it as far as the people that i know of <laughs> But, uh, you know, Ezekiel Ansat, LeGarrette Blunt, Kerryon Johnson, TJ Lang, Darius Slays, those are household names in the Detroit Lion universe. Those are guys that are starters and big contributors. The fact that they're banged up could be good news for the beloved uh, come Sunday afternoon. Now, I've been getting some questions about it. This is my last little bit of news before we get to our interview with Jeremy. And uh, ever since I announced it a little while back, maybe a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago, on how you can get your hands on an official Bears Talk Underground sticker. Well, I have figured out how I'm gonna get you monkeys to dance for me and and, and earn these stickers. Okay. Now you can earn two. You can earn two. I have 50 stickers to give away. When the 50 are gone, we're done until I can get my hands on some more. All right. Now. You have, you have to, there are two things that you can do to earn one sticker each. Okay. Number one, and this doesn't count towards a sticker, but you have to be, you have to be following me on Twitter, uh, at BTU underscore Larry, or you have to follow me on Facebook. My name is Larry Dyer, D-Y-E-R the third. If you follow Larry Dyer, you're going to be following my dad. You'll be very confused. You want to follow Larry Dyer the third on Facebook or you need to be a member of the Bears Talk Underground Facebook group, whichever is uh, you know works best for you. All right, so you have to be following me in both of those, Twitter or Facebook, or one of them. Depends on how many stickers you want to get your hands on. Now, on Twitter, you have to send me a screenshot that you are subscribed to the podcast, whether it be on Google Play, Spotify, um, iTunes, duh anywhere else that you are you know podcast addict whatever show me that you are a uh, subscriber to the podcast send me a screenshot of that with the hashtag btu sticker one word hashtag btu sticker do not forget the hashtag you forget the hashtag no sticker for you so btu sticker hashtag btu sticker one word on twitter send me the screenshot showing me that you are subscribed to the podcast number two On Facebook, like and share the audio cards that I release, not the show announcements, but the actual audio cards, those little one minute clips that I show or that I post that, um, you know, have a little clip of of the show and kind of preview a teaser. If you will, you want to hear more, listen here, so on and so forth. Like and share not one or the other. You have to do both like and share the audio card. You do both of those you get two stickers. All right. I'll hit you up on Twitter or Facebook. I'll follow you back on Twitter. DM you, you give me your information. I'll send you your stickers. Okay. So that's how this is going down and how fast the stickers go is up to you. So maybe 25 people get two each or any other, of the million combinations that 50 stickers can disappear in. There you go. So there you have it. Follow me on Twitter Uh, at BTU underscore Larry. Follow me on Facebook, either under my personal account, Larry Dyer, D-Y-E-R the third, or you're following the Bears Talk Underground Facebook page. You uh, send me the screenshot on Twitter to show me that you are subscribed with the hashtag. Do not forget the hashtag. Hashtag BTU sticker. One word, no underscores or any of that nonsense. Hashtag BTU sticker. And on Facebook, you have to like and share the weekly audio cards that I put out. So the, the little one minute clips that are teasers and, and whatnot, like and share the clip, you qualify for a sticker. So the first 50 actions, so it could be the same person you know, winning two stickers, the first 50 that can do that, you're gonna get a sticker. So, or you'll get two, however you get it done. So there you have it. That is how you can earn those stickers. So you are my monkeys, dance for me monkeys, earn the stickers let's get it on all right so that is going to be the end of the uh, news and notes section of the week 10 preview now we're going to bring on jeremy riseman from sb nation's pride of detroit to help us preview bears lions for week number 10 Week number 10 has our beloved starting a vaunted three-game three gauntlet in, the, in, the, in 11 days. From November 11th to November 22nd, the Bears play three games, two of which are represented by this guy, Jeremy Reisman. Welcome back to the show, man. It's, uh, it's been a while.
0: It has. And, and I'm going to you're going to sound like a familiar face by the end of November. But, uh, yeah, it's been it's been a little too long.
1: Yeah. You know, it, it was funny. I think we did this last year as well, where it's like, hey, I'm you're one of the last teams I'm talking to somewhere in July before training camp starts. And yet I'm still not going to talk to you for four months because we don't <laughs> play you until like week 11. For some reason, the NFL hasn't scheduled an early game. Hasn't I don't, when's the last time the Bears and the Lions played in the first half of the season? It's been a couple of years at least.
0: Yeah, it feels like it. it was probably some Bears game that I didn't enjoy because I I never really enjoy I like talking to you. I don't like playing the Bears though. It's not a fun <laughs> week for for the team.
1: Well, you know, I was that's what I was talking about last uh, on the last show was that, you know, and in, in, in when you think about the word rivalry, you you, you think about two teams that are at it with each other. It's ultra competitive. The the you know the outcome is always in doubt kind of thing and that's why i think you and i agree that this matchup the bears and the and the lions is probably the truest rivalry in the nfc north it may not be the most popular one or the historical one or whatever you want to call it, but it's definitely the one where when these two teams get together, you literally can throw the record books out because it's, it's going to gumtown down to the wire. Unfortunately for us, as in Bear fans, we've lost nine on the last ten, but every single one of those games has been kind of right down to the wire, one score exciting football games.
0: Yeah, and and maybe it's just my perception of the of the rivalry, but it seems like it's it's one of the most heated in terms of both like the fan interaction uh-huh. and the players on the field. Like I feel like there's always like something weird going on out of the field, whether it's an injury happening or you know, I guess it's it's kind of long back in the history when Stafford was like throwing punches way back in oh, man. what was that like 2012 20, 20, 2011
1: it, I think it was. 20, yeah, yeah he, yeah. he punched DJ Moore and DJ Moore got ejected somehow. <laughs>
0: it's just it's always such a weird goofy game um there was the golden tate touchdown interception thing of a couple right. of years ago
1: yeah
0: and so yeah these games are just they've been classics but frustrating i think for both ends and and i'm saying this as a lions fan who who's won nine out of the past 10 i still hate this week
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you get to see us again in like 10 more days bro so it's gonna be gonna be we're gonna be sick of each other we've had to wait till week 10 uh, to match up, we will be done with each other by week twelve, and that's crazy. And and you just uh, reminded me of the nightmare, as far as I am concerned, as far as like my plan on what I'm gonna do with that, with these, with my shows during that short week, is the, we're playing a Sunday night game now. So me doing a show, to, the review show after the game on Sunday means that I'm gonna be recording it after the game is over, like a literal knee jerk reaction type show just so I can get that one done and get ready to talk to you again, like on Tuesday to get ready for the game that's happening on Thursday.
0: Yeah. The, the schedule makers handed the Lions a little bit of a favor there. I don't yeah. know if they slipped them a 20 or whatever, but yeah, moving <laughs> that bears game to, to Sunday night. Well, I get it. Bears Vikings is obviously going to be an exciting game to watch, but man, having, and you were mentioning it before, this isn't a regular Thursday night game that the Lions and, and bears are going to be facing off and it's Thanksgiving. So it's, Eight hours earlier than a normal yeah. uh, Thanksgiving game or Thursday night game, so now you have the Bears kind of cut off on Sunday without that extra rest after the game, and now they're they have basically no time Thursday morning to prepare. So, right. man, it's it's a really short time to turn around in the NFL, and not a lot of teams have to deal with something like that.
1: Yeah, the early the early kickoff is a disadvantage the Lions also have to deal with, but it, you know, so they kind of share that one with the Lions. But the the disadvantage of having had a twelve noon kickoff taken away and now we're not starting till 7 7 30 that's that's a huge you know disparity as for you know in that short a window of time to have seven hours just taken right away from you and then on the back end we lose another eight hours because we're kicking off at 11 30 central time as opposed to seven eight o'clock at night uh for a regular thursday game it's you know it, any anybody that's even remotely hurt in that game against Minnesota probably needs to be sat down just so we can have a, a team to field on Thursday against the Lions.
0: Yeah, and you, you brought up the Vikings there. That's not a team that you really want a short rest of week after. No. Um, that's a very tough physical defense, as the Lions learned uh, in a not-so-pleasant fashion last week. But, uh, yeah, I would not want to come off that Vikings game on a short week, but unfortunately that's what the Bears have to do.
1: Yeah, so let's talk about last week. Um, Do we have to?
0: Well, you know, just real quick.
1: Okay. Because I only really have two questions about the game. Uh, Number one, 10 sacks. Is that. Uh I mean, I know they haven't done that before this year as far as your O line giving up 10 sacks. And I know the Vikings are good on defense, so these things tend to happen, but. What happened with those 10 sacks? I mean, was the secondary just playing lights out for Minnesota so he didn't ha- Stafford didn't have anywhere to go with the football? Was the pass rush just that good? Was it a combination of things? How did we get to 10 sacks this past Sunday?
0: Man, it was a combination of just everything going wrong, really. Uh, I specifically went over those, those 10 sacks in, in the All-22 film, and basically you could point to something going wrong on every play, and it was not necessarily mm-hmm. the same thing each time. I think some common themes that popped up were Kenny Wiggins, the guy who replaced it, who replaced TJ Lang for an injury. Um, oh, wow. He was in there about 55% of the time. Um, TJ Lang missed practice on, on uh, Wednesday, so he might not be, give it a go this week. Um, but the tackles were also really bad in this game. Um, Taylor Decker didn't look like himself. Rick Wagner didn't look like himself. I give a lot of credit to the Vikings' defense on there. Obviously, they have a really, really talented front seven there, especially on the edges. But I... I the there were also a, a fair amount of coverage sacks there, and you can either credit the Vikings secondary, you could say maybe the Lions were hurting without Golden Tate, not having that extra option, and they could key in on, on those two outside guys in Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, But um, and, and you could also put some on Matthew Stafford. He held onto the ball for a little too long. He, he probably could have just gotten rid of some of those balls. The one thing I didn't see, though, um, were open receivers. The one thing I didn't see was Matthew Stafford not going through his progressions and not finding the the guy that was clearly open. That was not happening last week. Um, It was just basically everything else went wrong.
1: So speaking of Stafford, um, what the hell was he thinking on that pitch play? Um, Because it was only a one-score game at the time. And if I'm not mistaken, the Lions were kind of moving the football at that point and Stafford breaks the pocket and instead of hanging on to the football and getting what he could or running out of bounds or sliding he decides to pitch it off to the running back who can't come down with I don't know if it was a bad pitch or if he wasn't just he just wasn't expecting the ball or whatever but of course he fumbles it the Vikings pick it up and there's your ball game it went from being 17-9 midway through the fourth quarter to being 24-9 and ball game over
0: yeah it's, it's really uncharacteristic of Matthew Stafford, um, especially as of late, because he's been so good um, protecting the ball. Um, he's always right. kind of had an issue with fumbles, but I wouldn't say this is necessarily in that category. Um, but the past two weeks, and, and I'm bringing it back to last the previous week against the Seahawks, he's made some really uncharacteristic mistakes, and he, he'll be the first to admit it. He was just trying to do too much. And against the Vikings, he looked flustered from the second quarter on. Sure. And I think the pressure got to him where he, he realized, I'm not going to have a lot of chances against this Vikings defense. I got to make the most out of every single opportunity. And he knows, you know, he's not a scrambling type. He's not a uh, a Mitchell Trubisky, if you will, where he's going to pick up <laughs> 30 yards on a run. But uh, he just, he saw on Johnson behind him. He knew that guy was a better runner than him. And so he, he pitched it and it was, it was a horrible decision. It wasn't a bad pitch per se. And, right. and on probably should have caught it, but this is just a, a This is just Stafford, I I feel like he's feeling the pressure not only in the game, but of the season, because the season is slipping apart at this point, point. Right, and he feels like he has to do a little too much, and we've seen Stafford in pressure situations before. I mean, he has a reputation of being great under pressure in the fourth quarter, so this is really uncharacteristic of him, and and I'm kind of surprised to see in these past two weeks, and I don't know if it's that he has a new quarterback's coach, I don't know if he has a new head coach, I don't know if this is just an anomaly that we should put behind us after these past two weeks, but... Really strange play from Stafford in that individual moment, and uh, in the moment, in, in a couple uh, poor decisions uh, that really cost him the game against the Seahawks too. He threw a really bad interception in the red zone and um, an unforced fumble. Uh, I think both happened in the fourth quarter when that team was was rallying and comeback that mm. could have made that game interesting, but didn't.
1: Right. And did did you say that he's that he said he was doing too much? Was that one of his post game? Uh, comments because i'm sure that the press had plenty of questions about what the hell happened on that play
0: yep it was actually the same exact line he said about the the interception that he threw against the seahawks was just trying to do too much i gotta tuck that down and live another play and he knows it um but of course it's it's very easy to say that the day after just hours after in the moment is where we need to see him improve and um it's not really typically a problem for matthew stafford but uh it, it's something to definitely keep an eye on to see if maybe he's a uh, he's changed a little bit in terms of his confidence or his faith in in his team. Um, I'm not sure what's going on, but uh, i'm I just hoping those are a couple anomalies that that he knows better and and will get fixed up.
1: yeah, I mean it, you think about the the day that he was going through or had gone had they got him all ten times by that point?
0: Um, I think we were at about six or seven by then. So oh, not... so
1: we still had a few more to bang in there. Okay. Oh
0: yeah, they 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 snuck in a few in that fourth quarter late. Okay.
1: So I mean, you, you know, you think about they got ten sacks on the day, and he's. I mean, I don't I don't want to say it had anything to do with fear, but it really did seem like he was almost flailing, at the moment, like you said, trying to do too much, trying to make something happen, um, where he just should have taken what he was given on that play and lived to fight another down, uh, kind of thing where he just kind of turned like you said uncharacteristically just like here you take it you do something with it cuz i'm about right. to get killed and not that he's got any fear about being hit but just like we got to do something we're you know we're we're going to struggle we're struggling against this defense here you make something happen you know kind of thing and it just it seemed like it, it really did seem kind of like a desperate moment from him where you don't really see him do that like you said very uncharacteristic of him to do something like that
0: Yeah, and honestly, I I would say your your flailing line was kind of appropriate. I I think I think if the lines are up at that point in the game, he doesn't do that. I think if if the lines are moving the ball early in the first and second quarter of that game, he doesn't do that. So I I think the pressure is getting him to a little bit, um, especially the literal you know pass rush pressure is getting to him. And um, the thing is, his pass or his sorry, his pocket presence has is really actually improved throughout his entire career. But every now and then, and I it. It happens a lot against the Vikings. He kind of gets the heebie-jeebies a little bit, and and loses his loses just kind of his sense of his surroundings, and and it shows in, in plays like that. Well, I mean that's odd
1: because he's what a nine ten year veteran uh, yeah. at this point, and and the funny thing is you said it happens against the Vikings, which I think is kind of uh, you know funny because if I'm not mistaken, it was the Bears that were responsible for knocking him out of the game. Like the first two, three years of his career, he was having, you know, he he blew out a shoulder against the Bears one one game, and then the next year it was like an elbow or a knee or something like that. It was always the Bears that he was getting hurt in, not the Vikings that he was getting hurt in. So, I mean, is he just getting banged up more often against the Vikings, or, you know, what, you know, what do you think is happening there?
0: Well, it's a little bit of that. There was a particular game two or three years ago where there was an MLive reporter who, who just went down the list of ailments, you know, bloody sock, bruised toenail, scraped elbow, all in one game. And hmm. I don't know if that is still lingering in his mind, but but on the field, this this Vikings team has really always had the Lions number. Sure. Um, Matthew Stafford's numbers are, are much worse against the Vikings than any other team. The Lions rarely ever scored 20 points ever since um, – you know Zimmer came in there and and transformed that defense um and and I think Stafford senses that he knows he's not in for a good game when when the Vikings are in town and um I I guess he got a little desperate in that moment
1: that's yeah so weird to, to to see that happen uh to him because um you know one of my notes that I was when I was writing down thinking about what I want to talk about in my in the segment that I do after the interview which is where I give my take on what I think needs to happen in order for the Bears to win, one of my notes was to pressure Stafford in the pocket, because yeah. Stafford is like Rodgers; he's more dangerous when he's rolling out, and you, you're giving him more time, and you know the whole jailbreak, you know back, backyard playground situation that his wide receivers get to do when it's when it's uh, when every man for himself. Stafford seems to thrive in those situations, and here it was one of those moments, and he made the absolute worst decision he could make in that moment.
0: Yeah. There there's no defending what he what he did and, and you can say carry on Johnson should have caught it, but even if he catches it in that situation, I think they still lose like three yards on the play. So it just <laughs> it made no sense whatsoever. And, sure. and Matthew Stafford knows that and hopefully it just never happens again.
1: Right. Hindsight being twenty twenty, if Carrion catches it and he runs it for a first down, you know, we're probably not even talking about it at the at this <laughs> moment. But you know, what happened happened. So obviously and, and, and because it basically put the game out of reach at that point with the way that the Vikings defense was playing combined with how they were bottling you guys up, the 15 point lead might as well have been 150 at that point, you know, yep. with with only half a quarter left to go. So it, it really did put the game out of reach uh, for you guys uh, against the Vikings. So let's talk about carry on Johnson because he's uh, he's a rookie this year, right? Yep. OK, and here he comes in to the point where Amir Abdullah became expendable. He's now a Minnesota Viking, ironically uh uh-huh. claimed by the vikings earlier today tell me about the rookie and because uh, i know that there was like a little celebration week one against the jets when you were being murdered by the jets somehow and <laughs> uh you know that game went sideways on you hardcore after after that kid threw his first interception it was all backwards after that but carry on johnson runs for 100 yards in that game and and the, <laughs> the funny thing was the crowd starts celebrating when he breaks 100 yards because it ended like a streak of some kind right
0: yeah yeah the Lions had not run for over 100 not an, one individual had not run for 100 yards for the Lions since 2013 so wow. five years back when Reggie Bush was with the team and, and now Kirion's done it twice he, he did it against the Dolphins um had I think 175 I want to say in that game um he's he's been a revelation and and a lot of credit goes to the offensive line as well they've, they've been playing a lot better but Caron Johnson is, is a legitimate offensive rookie of the year candidate right now. He's averaging five point seven yards per carry, and he's really given this Lions an offense a dimension when it works. And the problem recently, um, you know, the Lions kind of it looked like they were making a comeback. They they made that big win at Miami against the Dolphins, where on has that big day. The Lions as a team rushed for two hundred and forty nine yards, which is the most they had had since nineteen ninety nine. Wow. Um, but then. Seattle comes to town, shuts down the running game. Obviously, the Vikings come down, shut down everything on the offense. And now we're kind of back to square one. And you're wondering whether what we saw in the first five weeks of the season um, was really what the Lions are capable of. And they've had two bad games. Or if those were kind of the anomalies we've kind of learned since. The Miami defense is not as good as maybe we thought it was at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, The offensive line appears to have regressed a little bit. Some of it due to injury. Some of it maybe just regressing to the mean um, but carry on Johnson himself is, is clearly a very good weapon for this team. He, he can hit on those home run plays. He's got great vision, more, the best vision I've seen, um, in, for out of a lines back in a very, very long time. And he's decisive, he's decisive. And he, he's also not afraid to lower the shoulder. You know, he's a, he's a pretty small guy out there, but, um, in Dallas, he had a, a touchdown run where he just basically bowled over a linebacker for, for an eight yard run, um, and that just kind of shows you the the kind of dynamic back that he is. He, he's also a receiving threat. So I really think the Lions kind of hit hit it out of the park with this guy. The question is whether the offensive line can really stand up and, and play at the levels they were kind of in the first month or two of the season because the last two weeks have been kind of a disaster.
1: Right. And um, the Bears are actually pretty good uh, against yeah. the run uh, this yep. year. So it's uh, they've got their work cut out for them, that's for sure, especially with the game – they just had against Buffalo. I mean, that was, the, that was the defense that I recognized from the first four weeks of the season where we're basically ragdolling yep. teams up and down the field uh, and everything. They seem to have gotten back to who they were. Like, they, they, you know, just slow out of the gates those first two weeks against New England and Miami. But, I mean, granted, it was the Jets and the Bills, and, you know, those are not very good football teams. But still, we beat those teams the way you'd expect a team that's supposed to be good is supposed to beat a team that's not good like that you know, and uh they um the the only bullet that the bills had in the chamber as far as their offense was concerned was their running game, and the bears shut that down so um you know they're and they got the turnovers and they scored points, so they're coming into this game with the Lions in the right frame of mind, and Khalil Mack is practicing fully again, so no more Wednesday, Thursday off and limited on Friday, and then he's a the game time decision. <laughs> He's fully practicing on Wednesday, so that's basically the Bears saying, guess who's playing on Sunday kind of thing. So, you know, it was great against Buffalo to see what we can do when when Khalil Mack is supposed to be 100% uh, on Sunday uh, against the Lions. So they've uh, – the offensive line is going to have its work cut out for it on on, uh, on Sunday with, uh, with uh, you know, supposedly healthy Khalil Mack back and a defense that seems to have gotten its its groove back. I know I keep saying that, but that's – you know they 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 they've gotten back to who they are and our first divisional game since week 1 is finally here
0: yeah it, it's perfect timing for them. And, and obviously the lines are coming off a performance where the offensive line is kind of looking themselves in the mirror and and wondering who they are. Um, 10 sacks is just an unbelievable uh, number to be giving up in one game. It was, it was a Vikings record and it's not going to get any easier this week. And it's probably not going to get easier the week after that when the Panthers are in town. And then we have to deal with the bears again. And it's just kind of a gauntlet for this offense to, to kind of, keep their head above water and it doesn't help that they just traded away maybe one of their best offensive threats. So right. it's, it's really interesting the next, the way the next three weeks are going to play out, is going to be really interesting. Actually the four, four weeks, cause I believe the Rams are after the bears after. Oh, wow. The, yeah. So um, it's, it's going to be a tough stretch of games for this team. And it's really, I, I think you could make a pretty solid argument that Jim Bob Cooter, the offensive coordinator is fighting for his job in these next four weeks. What?
1: No more Jim Bob? How, how can I... we not have the greatest name in coaching history without a coaching position? We can't have that, man. What's going on there? But, you know, you mentioned that real quick, so let's talk about it. Because the, the Lions actually made two trades before the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. One where they were the buyers, and then the second one where they sold a pretty big piece of their offense. So, I mean, you kind of got conflicting messages. We're adding, We're adding to the defense, Damon Harrison, Snacks Harrison, whatever you want to call him you know was one of the you know better interior linemen uh in the league you get him you add him to your defense and you know saying one thing and then saying something completely different when you send golden tate off uh to the Philadelphia Eagles now granted you got a third round pick which in today's NFL that's a pretty good return uh, on on your investment but selling out one of your best pieces and and a guy that's uh, been done nothing but good things for you since signing with you um sends another message in Tyler to be buyers one week and then sellers the next conflicting messages there.
0: No doubt about it. It was, it was very much disorienting as a, as a Lions fan, especially just the Lions are coming off that big win against the Dolphins. Then they get Snacks Harrison, who was basically the perfect piece for this defense that had struggled to stop the run. He's been a monster in two, in two weeks. And I know the numbers overall numbers don't really reflect that, but you watch the games. He is a force to be reckoned with. And, and so Lions fans are, are, are not just talking about how this team might compete for, you know, a, divi- a playoff spot, but potentially for the division after that game. They're three and three. They've, they've won two straight. Um, they got snacks now. They're, they're heading in the right direction. And then the Seahawks game happens. They lose. And then the golden Tate trade happens. And, and suddenly, you know, we have to talk people down from the roof after that. And right. I, 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 I just I don't like the trade. There are people that do like to trade, and I will admit, like you said, third round for Golden Tate, not a bad trade in terms of value, especially right. since the Eagles are only essentially getting him for nine games. But I thought this team was still in contention after that Seahawks game. I thought they could bounce back. I've seen a little bit of improvement out of the defense. Where I thought, okay, the offense is still the strength. Golden Tate is still the strength of this offense. They continue to to kind of pound the passing game, win in shootouts, or, or however. They can still contend on this division, especially because especially at that point, you know, the Vikings were still kind of muddling around. The Bears were kind of up and down. Mm-hmm. This NFC North had not been decided by week eight, and it's it's still not decided at this right. point. Um, so the the message that Matt Patricia said to the media and that he told the team was that the trade of Golden Tate was not giving up on the season. It was expressing confidence in the people that remain in that locker room. That's a really nice line, but I don't yeah. believe it for a second. It I like really nice,
1: don't. Uh, sounds like a nice way to spin that, right. but I don't even know if there are guys in that locker room that would believe something like
0: that. Yeah, and to, to the credit, all the people, all the lines in the locker room, they, they said, you know, this is a business. We just have to move on. We got to step our game up. They didn't say anything disparaging towards management or anything like that. Not that they would, but you never know with, with some NFL players. Sure. But I, I just I don't believe in the players that remained in that locker room. The, the Lions last week, they tried Theo Riddick. they running back in the slot quite a bit. Didn't quite work out as well. They tried Kenny Galladay kind of running some of those golden tape plays we've come accustomed to seeing to, like little end arounds, gadget plays, little things like that, not working as effectively. Um, TJ Jones is, is a slot guy that we saw kind of take his place a little bit only caught two passes in that game and I think had about 20 yards. Now the lions add Bruce Ellington to the mix. They signed him this week. We'll see if he gives it a go in the slot a little bit. Um, he, he had some promising days with, with the Texans, but he's battled through injuries. So I don't know what to expect there. Um, but the fact that they added Bruce Ellington tells me that maybe they did not have as much confidence in the, the locker room as, as they were telling the media. So, um, To me it's a seller move i I think maybe maybe behind the scenes they're like you know what i don't think this team is good enough this year um i think we gotta build for the future we gotta add some defensive pieces a third round pick is a nice little uh you know investment and yeah i've even heard some people say that they might go after golden tate in free agency i think that's crazy talk but (laughs) it's kind of an interesting thought because if they do get golden tate in free agency and they pick up that third round pick maybe it's not that bad of a move
1: right right yeah you just uh had to live without him for half a season, and then you got him back, and probably at a discounted rate because he's in his well, he's got to be in his thirties now, right?
0: Yeah, he just crossed over thirty this year, so yeah. he'll be thirty-one entering the season next year.
1: Yeah, thirty-year receivers don't uh, don't get mega deals or anything like that. Not even in today's NFL. Um, but uh, yeah, so maybe that'll happen. We'll see. Uh, that would be interesting if it did happen that way. I mean, I, I'm I don't think I've ever seen that happen in the NFL for someone to trade a player. I mean, I've seen it happen a million times in like baseball you right know? like when i was a kid ricky henderson right. got traded to the a's only to sign back with the blue jays on the next season the team he got traded from or, or whatever you know it just i've seen that happen a thousand times in, in baseball but never once in football that would be a first at least for me anyway yeah. to see something like that happen but uh that's interesting you know because i because i was confused not not so much that they traded golden tate which was surprising to hear that they went ahead and did that even for getting a third round pick, but to like like I said before, to be buyers and and get a Damon Harrison the week before, and then to turn right around and said someone of equal importance on your offense away uh, from the team It was it, I was you know like so so are we are we are we cashing in on the season now we we can't you know c- c- cashing in our chips here and, and you saying okay well 2018 we're gonna do our best but. You know, especially when they're three and four and the Bears are in first place at four and three. You're only right. a game back and, and you're selling one of your best players, the guys that one of the guys that really makes your offense go. And, you know, without him, the success that you've had the last few years would have been virtually impossible on the offensive side. Now you've got this kid Carry on Johnson that's actually running the football well. One of the key things that's been missing from a Lions offense forever. Yeah. Virtually since Barry Sanders retired, you haven't been able to run the ball and now we've got this kid who's having a solid rookie year like you said, uh, definitely offensive rookie of the year contender for sure. and we're gonna send one of our best offensive pieces away um, you know and get a third round pick for him. It, it just made me scratch my head. I'm like I don't I don't really know what what Detroit's doing here with uh, with that.
0: Yeah, the, the the one thing it did make me do is kind of reevaluate the snacks trade. Mm-hmm. Um, because the the one difference there is that he signed for another two years after this year. Sure. So in a way, it, it's also a long term move. Um, and I know two years in the NFL isn't necessarily considered long term, but when you're an NFL coach, you never know. You never know yeah. how long you're going to last. So two years kind of does sound like a long time. And he, I think the lines just pounced on an opportunity. The Jets were in. Or I'm sorry, the Giants were in fire sale mode they ended up getting one of the best defensive linemen, I think. Not not just defensive and not just defensive tackles. I think one of the best defensive linemen in the league for a fifth round pick. That's a fantastic deal for them. Yeah. And he fits this Patricia's defense perfectly. I mean, you think of the the, the Patriots defenses of the past, you think of Vince Wilfork, you know, that big, huge nose tackle guy. And and Snacks is everything. He he's he's everything that Vince Wilfork is and, and the Lions didn't have anyone like that. at, at this point, Snacks is I think 30 pounds heavier than anyone else on the team. So he's really unique <laughs> in that sense that he's he's that big guy in the middle and he does his job well. I, I, I'm i surprised at how much he's met my personal expectations uh, just in the first two weeks he was with the team. And, you know, he's also kind of learning a new system. So yeah. that, that's really impressive to me. And, and he gives me a little bit of hope for this Lions defensive line that I kind of came into with a lot of questions. You know, Ziggy Ansah is a guy that probably isn't going to be around next year. Um, but the Lions have had a guy, uh, their, their fourth round pick, Deshaun Hand, has really looked good so far this year. Um, Sean Robinson has taken a step at, a step up, I should say, especially after Snacks was around. So th- there's a little bit of hope on this defensive line now and going forward, because I think a lot of people, kind of myself included, think this, this year is probably uh, a lost cause at this point. I know they're only two games out of first place, but um, with the way the, the offense is trending right now, I, I just don't see how they keep their head above water. So Snacks was kind of a move for the future, even though at the time it looked like it was a definitely a, a buyer's move, uh, an aggressive one for this year. I think in retrospect, it, it makes sense as a long term move as well.
1: Sure. Sure. So let's talk about your new head coach, because um, didn't get off to the greatest start. Um, a 48 to 17 loss at home to the Jets on Monday Night Football, national TV, uh, no less. Um, you lost again week two, correct? Yep. And then to but, the 49ers. But you come back Sunday night football with the whole world watching. You bring the Patriots into town and then take them to the woodshed for four quarters. So it's, you know, you lose to the Jets, but you beat the Patriots. That's that's not supposed that's not the way it's supposed to go, you know, but the, you know, <laughs> the, they rattle off a couple of wins They're, You know, they're, they, they've, they've got more wins than losses. And then, you know, they've, they've kind of trailed off these last few weeks. How is the first year head coach handling all this?
0: Well, uh, okay, I guess it would be the way to put it. Um, he, he's 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 a very mild-mannered guy on the field, which I think kind of butts head w- with, with some of the perception of him when he was a uh, defensive coordinator. No real blow-ups on the sideline or anything like like that, but he's he's had a couple weird interactions with the media that you may have heard about. Yeah, um, apparently,
1: if I should be sitting up straight when I'm asking you these questions, so uh, hold on a second while I adjust myself in my chair. Uh, I just want to make sure that I've got the proper posture to be speaking to someone connected to the Lions. So, yeah, I did hear about that. I thought that was that was odd. It, it sounds like somebody who's just overall looking for something to be angry
0: about. Yeah, and and he's he's had a weird interaction with both the the reporter in question in this scenario in which i think they both kind of have a a weird hate relationship with each other (laughs) um but things also kind of got off to a rocky start in detroit because of the sexual assault allegations that came out um from from 15 20 years ago um obviously when that happened he came out very strong against the media and called you know did the whole fake news thing and so um kind of rough start from the get-go there in terms of his media relations things as as far as it retains to football, um, it's hard to tell in terms of like losing the locker room, all that sort of stuff. There were a little bit of rumors there because yeah, there was. Um, you know, he he kind of brings hard-edged Patriots. You know, these are the rules you got to follow them. Some people thought maybe um, or there were rumors out there that some of the veterans took a while to, to get adjusted to those rules. I think that sort of stuff is just kind of typical with with a change in management. You know, any job. When you get a new boss, it's it's going to take a while for you to get to used to some new rules. So I don't get a sense t- talking to the players every day that they've lost faith in him. But at the same time, the team's three and five, and he talks he talked all year about the team looking like they're getting better every month, and right now it doesn't look like they're getting better. So um, I, I think Bob Quinn, you know, he has Patriots background as well. They know each other well. I think they're going to give each other time to, to to develop this whole thing and. And get things worked out, and and you know build a, a franchise that's not only you know good in one season, but has the consistency of a Patriots like dynasty. Um, so it, it, it's going to be a long process. I don't think he's in danger of, of losing his job. I don't think he's on the hot seat. Um, but there better be like market improvement in twenty nineteen. Otherwise, um, I think fans are going to start to get pretty upset because. You might beat the Patriots. You might beat the Packers in one season. That'll buy you some goodwill for a little bit, but uh, only for so long because Lions fans have been waiting for 70 years for a championship. So um, <laughs> we don't have a lot of patience left in us, I don't think.
1: Yeah, still one of uh, what three teams, maybe four that hasn't made a Super Bowl yet. Yep. You know, the champion fr- the championship banners that you have are from the 50s. So yes, it's been a very long time since uh, we've hoisted a trophy of any kind uh in detroit so even even a Hallis trophy which means you're going to the super bowl have, you've only been to what one or two nfc championship games
0: uh one we yeah one one playoff game yeah against uh, i didn't even see you just mentioned that trophy i didn't even know it existed that's what it's like to be a lion's fan
1: <laughs> wow yeah that's uh <laughs> that's not good not that the bears have had i mean we've been to two super bowls we're still second in the nfl as far as championships but we've only won one Super Bowl in the 52-year history of the game, so we've only played in two of them. So, a sort, so of, to so to speak, storied franchise needs to be it needs to appear in that game a little bit more often to kind of live up to the to the grandeur of the of the franchise.
0: But what are you going to do? It's, I'll pull uh, out my uh, my mini violin for you. Yes, yeah,
1: <laughs> you know, but it's it's a tortured tortured <laughs> existence we both live being. Uh, <laughs> Being fans of of these these long you know, long in the tooth franchises that have been around forever, but don't have a lot to show for it as far as their trophy case uh, is concerned. I mean, the only thing the Bears lead the NFL in in history is Hall of Famers somehow, and mm. um, you know that's great, but it doesn't bring trophies back home. It doesn't give us parades and in, in uh, you know down Michigan Avenue or anything like that. So it's you know what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? But. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's it's been interesting, you know, watching watching the Lions from a distance. You know, cause they have been a team that I've, and I've had trouble f- trying to figure out. You know, you, you lose to the Jets, but you beat the Patriots. Uh, you beat the Packers, and, you know, you beat Miami a week after we struggled our asses off against Miami. Yeah. You take them to the woodshed. I mean, you run the football down their throats, and you beat them in a way that we just couldn't quite figure out the week before. Uh, and everything like that, the heat didn't seem to bother you the way that it was bearing down on on the Bears the week before. Right. I think it was those goddamn orange jerseys we were wearing, but that's just <laughs> me. You know, I got people on the show; they love to tease me about it. But show me the win loss record when we're wearing those goddamn jerseys, okay? <laughs> Not to mention that they're an absolute eyesore. I just just hate those damn jerseys every every time they were And we're wearing them again at some point throughout the year. Like we we get to see them. One more time before uh, before the year is out. Thank you so much, Akeem Hicks, for saying <laughs> that you wanted to wear orange. He actually wanted orange head to toe. Oh. He wanted that, tops and that, bottoms to be orange. It's no, like, no, no. I no. would gouge my eyes out before I ever watch the Bears in full on orange from head to toe. That is not going to happen. So, If it makes you
0: feel better, I hate the orange jerseys too. Okay. But I also hate every other Bears jersey just because of Bears jerseys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, you know, well, you get to see us <laughs> twice in a very short period of time and then you don't have to see us again for the rest of the year so that's true. so there you go but uh <laughs> but like i said this this has been a team that i've had trouble figuring out because it seems to kind of go against with what you're supposed to be doing you beat the jets lose to the patriots maybe you beat the you know you lose to the to the packers but you beat the seahawks you know that kind of thing it just seems like you guys are doing the opposite like your your record is the opposite of what it should be because you're winning the games you should lose and losing the games you should win
0: yeah, it's it's just just like the the trade from from week to week. It it doesn't seem to make sense. Sure. And it's funny we we pull our our fans every week of what they think the outcome is going to be. And prior to to last week against the Vikings, which in which I think Lions fans had already lost hope, so that they got that one right. But prior to that game, they were one in six at picking Lions games. Wow. One in six. I was two and five, and I followed the team every step of the way and i try to be as objective as possible um this heart this team was just really really hard to pin down i think we're starting to finally see who they are um mm-hmm. especially defensively we know this is a team that really struggles to defend the pass they're getting a little bit better at defending the run um offensively i think everyone's just lost hope at this point especially after the golden Tate trade um this team was supposed to be more balanced. This team was supposed to be one of the best five in in the league, especially after all the, the changes they made on the offensive line um, investments into the running game. um, All of the, you know, Marvin Jones, junior Kenny Galladay and golden Tate was a pretty good trio of receivers that I don't think a lot of teams in this league can match. Sure. But now all that's gone and all the optimism has kind of been sucked out of the room. And, Maybe that means a a big upset is on the horizon based on how the season has gone. But um, I kind of have a little more confidence in that in what I know about the team and and who they truly are. And uh, it's not good for news for Lions fans, unfortunately.
1: So what has that been like for you? Because you 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 know, prior every conversation that we had prior to this one, you were in California living on the West Coast. Now you've moved back to the Midwest. You're covering the team on a day to day basis. You know, so you have you obviously have a more intimate relationship with the team than you've ever had before. You yeah. know, so what kind of insight is that is that giving you as far as, you know, how are you able to be, remain objective when you're getting to know these guys face to face?
0: It's 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 definitely a little bit tougher. And the one thing I've, I've noticed is just how quickly a face can disappear. Um, yeah. The guy that you see there in the locker room every day. And a guy like Golden Tate, who's willing to talk for the whole 45 minute sessions that we get with the players, gone the next day. And you just, I'm never going to see that guy again in the same intimate fashion that I had been seeing him every day. Right. Amir Abdul is another guy. He didn't talk with the media that much at, at this point in his career because he's just, you know, sad to say he's not as relevant as some of the other guys in that room. But now he's gone. Uh, it, and it's just kind of shocking to to be able to see that and have someone it, it's just kind of like a coworker disappearing and sure. and it's a weird feeling because some of these guys are really nice really personal and I'm, I'm obviously i'm already rooting for the team and and now you know i'm kind of growing to to root for individuals um on on the team and it it's just it's hard it, it's definitely hard to remain objective especially as a fan in general but uh, I am I'm, I'm a very stats based guy. And so I, I think I'm able to kind of tell things how it is kind of put the emotions aside and look at the, the physical results. And I'm, I'm usually painted as kind of one of the more pessimistic guys in the league, but every now and then I'll, I'll have people saying I'm way too optimistic. And so if I'm getting it from both sides, I think that usually means that I'm just doing something right. Actually.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm a, I'm a cautiously optimistic kind of guy you know like I I think it's shaping up very well that the Bears are finally going to be able to 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 add a to add one to that one in nine record we've had over the last five years uh, (laughs) against you guys with the the way that you guys have been playing the last couple of weeks the way you struggled last week against Minnesota combined with how the defense played against Buffalo last week and we're getting a a, a healthy Khalil Mack back on top of that we're at home all that kind of stuff, I think it's sizing up very well. Am I going to come up and pound the table like, God damn it, we are winning on Sunday and we're going to make it look easy? No, because it's Bears-Lions and these games never go the way you think they're going to. You know, you think the Bears are going to come out and rack them for 30 points and just blow them off the field. And then in the fourth quarter with three minutes to go, we're up by a field goal, in Minnesota, you know, and, and Stafford's got the ball and he's moving it down the field. So, I mean, that's never how those games go. So you can never come out and say, 48-10, eh, to 10, Bears, no problem, no sweats. That's how good we're playing right now. That's how lousy the Lions look. They just gave away Golden Tate. What the hell were they thinking? Bears win, no problem. Eh... Do I think we can win? Yes. Will we win? I believe we will. Yes, I do believe that. <laughs> Would I put money on it? No freaking way, man. No way. And first of all, I have a weird superstition about betting on my team. I just have a weird superstition. It never works out. You know, I, no matter how confident it is or how it's supposed to look, betting on your team I think is bad luck. Is that, I'm, that's one of my one, my one superstition. I, for years, I worked with Packer fans. Every Packer-Bear game, they want to bet me something. No, thank you. No. <laughs> Do I think the Bears are going to win on Sunday? Absolutely. We'll put your money where your mouth is. No, thanks. I don't think so. Because I, if I bet on the Bears, then they definitely are going to lose. So forget about it. So, <laughs> you know, that's just my superstition when it comes to betting. But, you know, figuratively, would I bet on the Bears winning this game on Sunday? No. Just because. It's Bears-Lions. It's a divisional game. You know, it's um, – it, it, and like I said, and you and I were talking, you know, earlier saying that this is the truest rivalry in the division where the the, the 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 game is always in doubt right up until the very end. And, you know, you can never really bank on who's going to win. It's just worked out for you guys more than it has for us over the last few years. But any one of those games could have gone Chicago's way. And that's why Bears-Lions is not a smart bet for anybody.
0: Yeah, I, I wish I felt as uh, about the outcome as you, but I I don't know. I don't, I don't see this Lions team being competitive this week. I see it playing out a lot like it did last week against the Vikings. Obviously the series history, but it's also worth pointing out that this team has the best record against NFC North over, the. I think it's the past four or five years than any other than the NFC North. No team is better against this division over the past four or five years than the Lions, and they've never won the division. Go figure. But, I I mean, if I'm just looking, I, I, I want to put the history behind us because... Those are different teams. <laughs> the, the The Bears and the and the Lions have a different head coach. Like, that's a big difference. Um, where you can kind of throw the history out and see all these advantages pointing in the Bears' favor. Um, the the one thing that the Lions can do kind of well is run the ball. To ha- just so happens to up his defensive strength. And amongst the the fans here that that have lost a lot of confidence in this off uh, threat with Matthew Stafford not having all the weapons that he should have. And defensively, I just don't think the team is getting good quick enough. I think they are getting better. I don't think Mitchell Trubisky is necessarily the kind of threat that should um, make defenses quiver, but the Lions have not been very good at the stop, at stopping the pass. I mean, just about every quarterback has hit 100 passer rating, except for uh, oddly Tom Brady, which is go figure. I, I can't figure that one out. And I don't know. I, I, I would love to scheme up a way in which the Lions win this game, but I can't do it other than just dumb luck and granted dumb luck has happened before with the Lions team I just I just I'm not banking on it this week. Yeah, I
1: mean that's that's kind of where I'm at right now as far as you know why one I why wouldn't I just come out and say that uh, that the Bears will win the game on Sunday and like I said before because it is Bears Lions and these things you know they they always end up being too close and and record rarely has anything to do with how these games are supposed to turn out and but I feel like you do with the way that it's shaping up, the way that the Bears are, have played the last two weeks, the way the Lions have played the last two weeks, that it's definitely tipping in the Bears' favor uh, as far as who should win on Sunday and the reason that the Bears wouldn't win would be them doing something to give Detroit an advantage, whether you know Trubisky tries to force it in when he shouldn't and, it for, and it get an interception or if we turn the football over or if we have a day on defense, like as, as awesome as the defense was last week, we must have had seven or eight defensive penalties last week and and some of them turned out to be mm. bogus especially on that one buffalo bills touchdown drive i won't get into right now cuz i've ranted on it in the last episode but you know it just seemed like the the you know we had a lot of defensive penalties last week that went against us we can't make mistakes that are going to give the vik or excuse me the lions hope in this game that will you know what, what should have been a three and out has been extended because of a holding penalty or pass interference or roughing the passer or something like that. And instead of them punting us the football, they've got the football, the chains are moving, and now they're down the field and they got a fresh set of downs. So here we go. The momentum has shifted just like that with, with a silly penalty. That's what I think is going to keep the Bears from winning the game on Sunday or why you would be able to say that's where it, went, that's where it all went wrong.
0: Yeah, I mean with especially penalty stuff as much as uh, I certainly certainly like can influence a game and uh, I think every fan base really knows that whether whether they have a storied history of, of bad calls against them or not but uh I mean the it's interesting you bring up kind of the the defensive penalties the lines have had a fair share of of defensive penalties in the secondary but I think the reason for that is just because the lines can't rush the passer and also you can't rough the passer if you can't rush the passer. Sure, sure. Yeah. I just, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know how else to kind of frame this matchup here um, in the Lions' favor. I guess, I guess the one thing, the the X factor that could be in this game is Ezekiel Ansah. He made his return last week, but they kind of had him in a situational passing role, pass rushing role. Mm-hmm. I think he only played about twelve snaps. Um, it becomes a full time player on the defensive line. Suddenly, that becomes kind of a strength, and I'm, I'm interested to see if he's ready for it. He said. You know, he feels amazing. He's ready to go. I do think he can make the defense a lot better. Um, not to a point where they're a top-half defense in the league, but right now they're about 30th, and I would love to see them up there like twenty. If they can get him to that level, maybe the line still has a chance in 2018, but um, we're going to see something out of him right now. They, they, this is the third-divisional year. It's the first of, you know, a, a gauntlet of four games where they have to probably win at least three um, they can't hesitate anymore. They they need to get going right now, and it has. To be. So maybe the desperation also helps the Lions because they're probably a little bit more desperate team than the Bears right now. Obviously, the Bears have a lot of motivation holding on to first place, but sure. um, this team, this Lions team, is on the brink of, of losing their season if they haven't already. Well,
1: all right then. So that's there you go. That's the the glass half empty evaluation <laughs> from uh, two tortured <laughs> fan bases. Uh, about this game on Sunday uh, between the Bears and the Lions, and uh, Jeremy, we'll have you back on very shortly. You know, because we we have that Thursday uh, Thanksgiving Dame uh, day game to uh, get ready for. So when we we haven't spoken for four months, but we're talking again in like four days. So uh, good luck on Sunday. Hopefully, everybody comes out healthy, and uh, we finally get that W that's been so elusive to us over the last few years. And uh, we'll uh, we'll be raring to go when we meet again on thanksgiving day
0: yeah hopefully hopefully we'll still have something to talk about after, after yeah. this game
1: all right jeremy reisman pride of detroit and the the aptly named pod cast um <laughs> i still think that's the most genius and yet the stupidest nickname for a podcast i it's like oh that's genius wait a minute no it's not all at the same time the pod cast you can hear jeremy and and company jeremy thanks so much uh for coming back on and we'll talk to you again real soon
0: thanks for having me man always enjoy being here
1: Remember, guys, Bears25 is the promo code on my bookie to take advantage of up to $1,000 in free play, and if you make that deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern, you get an additional $25 in free play. So you don't want to miss out on that. There is sports galore going on all over the place. You got college basketball, college football, the NFL, NBA, NHL, and a partridge in a pear tree. You don't want to miss it at my bookie. You play, you win, you get paid. And now let's close this thing out, y'all. It's, it's coming down to the nitty-gritty, and, 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 you know, we've got some matchups that we want to keep our eye on this Sunday. And, you know, the very important ones that we do want to watch. We want to watch that interior line, Eric Cush, Cody Whitehair, um, James Daniels, the rookie especially, matched up with that Damon Harrison, Snacks Harrison. We talked about him quite a bit. He was a product of one of the trades uh, that uh, Jeremy and I talked about uh, for the Lions, the one where they brought in one of the better interior linemen, if not the best interior linemen in football, to add him to the football team before trading away one of their top offensive pieces in Golden Tate. It still makes me scratch my head when I think about it, but you know, that's the, that's a matchup we want to watch. You know, how's the rookie going to handle one of the league's best? Can Eric Cush and that, that neck injury handle, you know, what the, the, one of the biggest, strongest defensive linemen uh, in pro football, how will it affect our running game? Will we be able to get Jordan Howard down, you know, getting him running downhill uh, against this uh, lion team? He's had a lot of success, uh, against the Lions thus far in his uh, in his career hoping to see some more of that on Sunday take some of the pressure off of Mitch open up that uh, um, that play action passing uh, game which will be huge with Allen Robinson coming back Taylor Gabriel uh, practicing at full participation and 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 what have you and hell I, f- I forgot to mention Adam Shaheen is practicing he's not on the injury list because he hasn't been activated yet but he's pra- he's practicing now so he could be joining the team uh, very shortly adding yet another target uh, to the uh, Chicago Bear passing attack. And, you know, stopping uh, Snacks Harrison is going to be vital in getting the ground game going and and and, and getting the rest of the offense going uh, as well. I mean, we know Matt Nagy being a disciple of Andy Reid, he's going to throw the damn football regardless of how the running game is going, but it can only be that much easier. I mean, think back to that Tampa Bay game. How easy was it to throw the football? When he had all day to throw, the running game was going, so we had play action working and so on. It was, it was a much easier day for Mitch. He stood back there, he didn't have to worry about the pressure coming. Was stepping into his throws, he was he was dead on accurate in that football game. So it was very nice uh, uh, to see some of the uh, one other matchup. Let me see what did I write down here? Yeah, the interior line versus Snacks, uh, the offensive tackles of the Lions versus Khalil Mack you know both of them banged up right now Ricky Wagner banged up Tyler Decker uh Taylor Decker excuse me uh both banged up right now neither was on the injury list but they're nursing injuries according to uh Jeremy and they're also not playing well coming off one of their well their worst performance of the year they gave up 10 sacks to the Vikings a week ago those guys matched up whichever side we line Khalil Mack up on the right or the left side generally it's been on the right side but Obviously, I had a big problem with the Bears lining him up on the left against the uh, Patriots a couple of weeks ago, but we won't bring that up anymore. But whoever he's matched up against, how is he looking? That's a matchup we want to keep our eye on. Is Is he healthy? Is he the machine, the beast that he was those first four weeks of the season where he got a strip sack in every single game in the first quarter of the year? I mean, that's the guy that we want to see back out on the field. You know, we don't want him out there just for the sake of him being out there. We want Khalil Mack, the, you know, the, an MVP contender in the first four weeks of the season. That's what we want to see out there. So that's another matchup for the Bears to watch or for Bear fans to watch. And then finally, the Bears offensive tackles versus Ziggy Ansa. You know, you heard Jeremy mention uh, briefly at the end there about Ansa saying he's feeling better than he's felt in a while. He is nursing that shoulder injury, and that's what's been keeping him out. But. He will be playing on Sunday he'll be a little bit stronger than he was the week before playing a little bit more. He only played in situational uh, uh, pass down, you know, passing downs against the Vikings only about 12 snaps. he will probably play a lot more than that against the bears this Sunday. How will our offensive tackles who are not the best set of tackles in the league? Let's be honest. How will those guys handle what Ziggy Ansah is bringing to the table on Sunday? So, the running game with the interior against Snax Harrison. The passing game with the uh, the tackles against Ziggy Ansah. Basically, we want to keep our eyes on the trenches uh, on Sunday. I feel like the rest will take care uh, of itself. So, you know, and on the defensive side, obviously we want to get Khalil Mack going, and at the very least, we want the presence of Khalil Mack to have the effect that it has had on the rest of the defense. You know, Khalil, like, let's go back to that performance that we had against the Seahawks. It's one of my favorite examples of the impact that Khalil Mack had. We got Russell Wilson, one of the best and most elusive quarterbacks in the pocket in the league, six times in one game. And how many sacks did Khalil Mack have that night? One. He was responsible for one, but the terror that he was causing on the field allowed Eddie Goldman to get a sack. It allowed Danny Trevathan to be defensive player of the week because he got two sacks. In that game. The pass rush that we were generating in that football game forced Russell Wilson to make a very bad mental error, throw a pick six to Prince of Mukamura that put the game out of reach uh, for the Bears uh, in that football game. That's the kind of havoc that we want to see. And it's going to be very important against Matt Stafford. You heard me mention with uh when talking to Jeremy how Stafford is very much like Aaron Rodgers in the fact that if you pressure him, you want to keep him in the pocket okay this is one of the more resilient quarterbacks when he's out in the open field running you know and his his uh his receivers are in that jailbreak mode he can make things happen he's got a fantastic arm and uh you know but hopefully he'll be in that uh trying to do too much mind frame and and make a throw across his body and across the field into the waiting arms of Roquan Smith or anybody else who wants to get their hands on them how about Eddie Jackson because we know he's going to take it back for a touchdown if he gets his hands on it that's the kind of pressure that we want to see from our defense, but we want to keep it controlled. Maintain your lanes. Keep Stafford in the pocket. You know, you condense it on top of him just like we did to Russell Wilson. You know, Russell Wilson wasn't getting outside of the pocket and making things happen, uh, you know, when, when the play was was broken up or, or anything like that. The Bears were keeping him in the pocket. You know, our nose tackle was getting sacks. Roy Robertson Harris had a sack in that game. Aaron Lynch had a sack in that game. Everybody was eating that day. And if we want to eat Matt Stafford, we got to keep him inside the pocket. We're not going to catch him if he gets outside those tackles. So Leonard Floyd, that little spin move to the outside, none of that this week, my friend. None of that. Khalil Mack, he's a beast, so he can do whatever the hell he wants. Leonard Floyd still looking for that first sack of the year. No spinning to the inside, which opens up the outside for the quarterback. None of that this week, sir. You want to stay to the outside, force him to stay in, and let all of your defensive help come and get him. You know, I'd be a happy guy to be truthful with you. I'd be the happiest guy in the world if our leading sacker was Bilal Nichols or Eddie Goldman or, hell, Roquan Smith or Danny Trevathan because that means that the pocket was collapsing on Stafford and he had to try to either go upfield or he had to give in to the pressure that was coming at his face because he had nowhere to go. He had nowhere to go. That's the stat that I would love to be able to uh, repeat back to you guys on Monday when we uh, do the review show. So that's pretty much what I have. On offense, it's simple. You know, for the most part, we want to keep doing what we're doing, and Mitch needs to be Tampa Bay Mitch, (laughs) you know, making good decisions, making the pinpoint throws. You know, stick to your fundamentals, step into your throws, see what you're throwing at you know just you know that that's what you got to do man that's what you got to do and um i think that we'll be fine if we do those things but i think if we shut down stafford uh and company on the offensive side keep carry on johnson or whoever's running the football for them if it is carry on johnson keep them in check i think it'll be a very happy afternoon and we'll finally snap that streak against the detroit lions so That will do it for the week 10 preview of the Bears Talk Underground. Remember, folks, follow me on Twitter at BTU underscore Larry. Follow me on Facebook. uh, Larry Dyer, D-Y-E-R, the third. Don't follow my dad. Follow me, Larry, the third on Facebook or join the Bears Talk Underground Facebook group. Like and share the audio clips or Uh, show me that you are subscribed to the podcast using the hashtag do not forget the hashtag btu sticker one word btu sticker do that i'll hit you up to get your information so i can send you your official bears talk underground stickers so the first 50 actions whether it's two people getting you know 25 people getting two stickers each or whatever combination you can dream up the first 50 actions that complete those tasks they're the ones that get stickers. So there you have it. So get to work. You know, make me famous. That's what we're out to do right now, okay? Spread the word of the Bears Talk Underground. Like and share on Facebook. Show me that you're subscribed to the podcast on Twitter with the hashtag BTU Sticker. So there you go. That's going to do it for the Week 10 preview, guys. Come back on Monday when we'll talk about, hopefully, what will be our third straight victory Monday with a 6-3 and three record heading into a big showdown on Sunday night football with the Vikings. And until then, my name is Larry D. And this has been the Bears Talk Underground. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen.